I always like to steal the words of those that are brighter than me. And as Minister Hunt said, this has been our finest hour. And it really has been Community Pharmacy's finest hour. I've been immensely proud to be elected this year as the ninth national president of the Pharmacy Guild to be your advocate, to be your spokesperson. It's an incredible honour and I'm very, very humbled by it, but I look forward to whatever challenges 2022 and beyond bring. Hi, I'm Trent Toomey, Guild National President, and you're listening to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast. Welcome to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast, brought to you by the Pharmacy Guild of Australia. Focusing on pharmacy management and ownership, the PBCN podcast supports the improvement and growth of your business performance with insights and advice from a range of industry professionals. The PBCN podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. 2021 has been a big year for all of us and although we are probably hoping to forget many of the challenges faced this year, it is also important to reflect on the positives and celebrate our achievements. And this year has shown that community pharmacies are accessible, adaptable, and most importantly, willing health destinations staffed by passionate and highly trained health professionals. The Pharmacy Guild has continued to support and advocate for members right throughout 2021 and have adapted the organisational structure to best enable community pharmacy. Today, I'll be speaking with Guild National President Trent Toomey, Executive Director Suzanne Greenwood and Chief Operating Officer Colm Maguire. We'll reflect on the challenges and the opportunities of 2021, the Guild's organisational change journey and discuss the Guild's priorities for 2022. Let's begin with Guild National President Trent Toomey. Hi, Trent. Welcome back to the show. When we last spoke to you back in May, you had been in the national president role for around 100 days and it was just before the Delta strain forced many of our cities into lockdown. So let's just say that you've been a pretty busy man since then. What does an average day now look like for you in maybe a not so average year? (laughs) It has been um, a whirlwind first nine months. Um, uh, Listen, an average day starts with media monitoring. So um, I, I turn my phone on and our Uh, media and comms team in Canberra have sent me through a summary of everything that's happened in the last 24 hours, everything that's happened overnight. So what is the Commonwealth government saying? What are the state governments saying? What's the updates from our chief medical and chief health officers? And what's the update from around the world? So the first thing I do is is read uh, to make sure that I am um, as up to date as I possibly can on on everything that's happened. Um, And then I start media. So the next thing I do after that is, is media, whether it's pharmacy media or, or mainstream rural media, and it could be um, anything from TV, radio um, or print. Uh, the next thing I do after that, to be honest, is I have a cup of coffee. Um, and then uh, uh, if I'm home in Cairns, I, uh, you know, I, um, I do my dad bit and, uh, and I try to take the kids to school. I do like dropping them to school and picking them up whenever I can because I can't do it as often as I would like. And Georgina definitely does most of the heavy lifting. Um, but then to be honest, after that, the day is usually booked in uh, 15 to 20 minute increments for, for the rest of the day, depending on um, what the staff have me doing. So just like you, our members have been incredibly busy. What are some of the things our community pharmacists have been telling you and the team throughout 2021? It's been a huge year uh, for our profession. It's been a huge year for our pharmacy practices, and it's been a huge year for our pharmacist practitioners. And, um, uh, you know, everybody's pretty tired, I have to be honest with you. When 
um, other people shut their doors, like we spoke about last time, uh, we stood up to the plate and we shouldered the burden of uh, closed GP practices, of closed emergency departments. And it's really has been our finest hour. And Minister Hunt spoke about that. And they were they were his words when he spoke not only at APP this year, but when he spoke at our um, our annual event in, in Old Parliament House. And I have to say, um, as, as tiring as some of my days can be, um, uh, I know that those working on the front line um, are the real champions of the whole thing. And that's the, that's the thing that motivates me to put my boots on in the morning and, and do what I do. Well, speaking about staying open, stepping up to the plate, shouldering the burden, the COVID vaccination rollout has obviously monopolised the second half of this year, but there is other important advocacy and programs that have been established and are being continued. Can you tell us a little bit about the other important work that you and the Guild have been doing this year? Absolutely. We have done two and a half million COVID-19 vaccinations um, in the past five months, and that is a colossal effort. And if we'd only be involved earlier, we would have done far more. But I know um, that Australians trust their local community pharmacists to obtain uh, their vaccines, whether it's against the COVID-19 virus or in its many variants, or whether it is against other vaccine-preventable diseases. So, mate, what we will do moving into 2022 is we will focus on those core issues that matter most to our profession, and that is um, uh, working with our universities uh, to ensure that we have more graduates to meet the workforce requirements um, of the future. Australians want more from their local pharmacy, which means we need more pharmacists. And, um, and you know, the Pharmacy Guild of Australia is completely invested to ensure the success of our universities and our university programs. But it's not just about um, training new pharmacists, it's about training existing pharmacists. The only thing I can promise all of our members is that 2022 will bring with it more change. Um, and if your national president said that 2022 would be calmer and there would be more stability, then I wouldn't be doing any justice to uh, my role or, 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 or any justice to all of you. So all the Guild will be doing is, is making sure we're here with you in 2022 to face whatever challenges it brings and to ensure that you have all the tools necessary to, um, you know, to look after yourselves, look after your staff and look after your patients. COVID and graduates, more pharmacists into the workforce, as you just said, are key priorities. They're going to form part of the Guild's work for 2022. But is there anything else that you see as the Guild's and community pharmacies priorities for next year, for 2022? So it's not just um, uh, focusing on, on workforce, it's also focusing on our communities. And we will continue to work uh, with state and territory governments to push the case for a full scope of practice community pharmacy network, which means uh, that the average Aussie um, will be able to obtain more services and more solutions from their local community pharmacy. So that's things like expanding the urinary tract infection proof of concept from Queensland, where 6,500 women have received an antibiotic for an uncomplicated urinary tract infection, which meant it kept them out of an emergency department, it kept them out of a GP surgery, it kept them uh, being productive members of society, and I want that spread nationally. It's the long-acting buprenorphine uh, proof of concept that's happened in Victoria, and as uh, you know, new emerging therapies like that 
to continue to replace existing things like methadone, suboxone and subutex, then pharmacists need to be able to not just inject to vaccinate, we need to be able to inject to administer. And so it's rolling out those changes out of the state of Victoria to all other states and territories. So we will continue to not only work with the Commonwealth to advocate for proper funding of our universities, for proper funding of our vaccination programs, but we will continue to advocate to state and territory governments so um, community pharmacies can use all of the skills and knowledge they have to look after their communities. And now we also hear from Suzanne Greenwood, Guild Executive Director. Welcome again to the show, Suzanne. It's been a little while since we caught up with you. We interviewed you back in September 2019 after you had just joined the Guild. Now, you have definitely been on what you might call a wild ride, so through the negotiation of the 7 CPA, we then had the devastating bushfires, we had a change of Guild National President and Council And then just to top it off, something easy like an unprecedented pandemic, have you even had much of a chance to take a moment and just take stock of it all? Oh, thank you, Daniel. Look, I think the short answer is no, absolutely not. But the long answer is uh, just simply that it's just been so rewarding, really, working in community pharmacy. And so it might be a wild ride, but, uh, gee, what a fantastic place to have been uh, with what has happened in the last last two years. So it's been uh, certainly very rewarding. As I mentioned, there's been lots of change and challenges. What has the experience of leading the Guild through this time been like? How would you describe it to people? At a deeply personal level, it has really shaped me so much as a person because uh, you know, I, I, I've always been a, a fierce advocate for expanding access to healthcare for all Australians. I've always been a, a you know, a, a staunch supporter of, of, you know, what can we put in place to improve health and wellness outcomes for all Australians. And so what really attracted me about coming to the Guild was the fact that uh, community pharmacy is right there at the heart of every community and uh, and really able to at that really grassroots level, make a difference. And and that difference comes because, well, you know, of, of course they're highly trained, of course they're able, they're capable, they're, everything else, but they're also almost a bit taken for, for granted that uh, you can uh, rock into your local community pharmacy and pretty much have a chat with the pharmacist on duty, you know, without a need to be making an appointment or anything. So they're really accessible to us. And so... For me, the experience of leading the Guild has really been about, well, what what can we do here to make um, life for those uh, pharmacists a a bit easier and for the owners of community pharmacies a bit easier uh, so that they can just, you know, focus back on on the communities that they're they're serving and uh, continue to be that highly trained, trusted and easily accessible health professionals that they are and the difference they make in their communities. 100% agree with you. Now, in 2021, with the new National Council, the Guild saw the need for an organisational transformation to ensure that the Guild is a modern, fit-for-purpose and really a member-focused organisation. So in amongst the pandemic, the Guild developed and implemented the Centenary Trail. Can you explain what that is all about and a little bit about the journey? With our new National Council coming in in March this year, we had already been on a, on a bit of a journey of, of, of doing, I suppose, a functional review of the Guild and looking at, you know, what are, the, what are the functions we need to deliver on to achieve the objectives of our strategic plan and to support our members. 
But with the new council coming in, we really stopped and took stock of, uh, you know, we're approaching uh, the Guild centenary. So, you know, we really looked at we've been fit for purpose for the first 100 years and how do we ensure for the next 100 years that we continue to be able to support our members and be relevant to their needs and priorities and things. And so we really use that um, lens of looking at things from our um, centenary as being uh, the approach we've then pretty much taken with everything. So uh, so we revisited looking at our strategic um, vision and so that uh, became very much uh, about our Centenary Council strategic vision. Now, many would say, of course, well, hang on, you're not actually at your 100 years yet. You've got a few years to go before before you hit that. Why are you talking now in terms of your Centenary Council? And, and yes, there will even be another council election before we hit our Centenary but what we wanted to be doing was to be taking uh, a 10-year view. We wanted to stop taking uh, a short-term view at what was um, changing in our space and, and what we needed to adapt uh, to accommodate those changes. Instead, we said, right, let's map out what are the significant things happening over the next 10 years. So we looked at that very much as being our centenary timeline. And into that, we've we've mapped out um, really important things like obviously the the signing of the the you know seventh CPA in 2020, uh, 2025 will be our eighth CPA, and and uh, 2030 will be our ninth CPA. But scattered amongst that is also things like um, uh, February 2022 will be the 60th anniversary of Guild Group, which is a fantastic milestone. So we've also got the 40th anniversary of the World uh, Pharmacy Council and Farm Intercom in 2027. We've got our 100th anniversary in 2028. We've even got our 30th anniversary of our Quality Care Pharmacy Program in 2027. And then right up to uh, by 2030, we've got the 40th anniversary of APP. So we've got massive milestones happening uh, in the next 10 years and including overlaid in that uh, period, we've got new national councils will be coming in in um, 2024 and 2027. And, and so we really just wanted to step back and take that bigger view. So when we talk uh, about our centenary trail, it really is what's our vision for the Guild to ensure we remain, um, you know, a, a, a contemporary, agile organisation that's fit for purpose, that's meeting member needs, that's keeping uh, our, our, our members and uh, the, the patients and those we serve at the centre of everything. But we kind of recognise that that journey that we needed to be on to, to shape the Guild it's not a straight super highway from point A where we are now to point B we wanted to end up at. So that, um, that I suppose that metaphor of the centenary trail that we will need to be going uphill and down dale a little bit and we will uh, possibly head down some, some, some paths uh, that might turn out not to have been uh, the perfect answer or the perfect solution and we might need to chuck a U-turn and, and, and go back. So, so it is that concept that uh, the trail, we, we will need to uh, meander around a little bit, but, uh, but the aim is for the Guild to come out the other side of it stronger. And look, we've certainly done a massive body of, of work there about moving us through that passage of organisational transformation that's needed to be a really purpose-driven organisation to really empower our staff, uh, and and uh, really to make sure we're agile to meet the needs of, of of members moving forward and 
Look, it's been uh, something that's been really strongly adopted by our National Council and our staff. We, uh, we actually sat down with every single uh, staff member in the National Secretariat to really work out what were their career ambitions and desires and goals to be achieved uh, with working at the Guild. And so we've actually, um, you know, moved the deck chairs a little bit, uh, so to speak, in that we've uh, identified some people who had skills and experience in areas that maybe we weren't taking advantage of as, as fully as we could and others who really were interested to innovate, innovate and learn. And so we've moved them into different areas and things. So, so we've um, had a massive period of transformation since March this year. Uh, but at the same time, we've done uh, various staff engagement surveys and pulse surveys through that time. And the staff engagement, uh, staff engagement has increased uh, significantly over the same period of time. Uh, which, um, Daniel, is pretty fantastic because a lot of organisations, if they go through any organisational transformation, it usually results in a period of, of engagement decreasing and, and concern. But we really put the message out there that we wanted everyone in the boat and pulling the oars in the same direction and in doing so to be really empowered to be, you know, the captains of the areas that they were looking after and uh, and we've also done a lot of work to break down any silos between the teams. We've uh, So we've done a lot of work around, well, what are the mechanics and the dynamics of, of how we work here at the Guild? So, look, I'm probably going down a passage that's a little bit tedious for members to be listening to on this podcast, but I suppose suffice to say uh, we've done a lot of work to really strengthen the Guild. Uh, the team who work here could not be prouder to work for community pharmacy uh, if they tried. And, uh, and so we're really in a really strong position to be uh, heading into 2022. A great rundown, the Centenary Trail. It's a very aspirational mission, which is always about pushing the boundaries and, and creating stretch goals of what can actually be achieved and, and really aiming high. And challenges like that provide lots of learnings as we push ourselves. What have been some of the key learnings so far in the process? Oh, look, I think with the, the couple of years that we've had, it, it, it's probably been that we've got some really um, uh, complex, chaotic, complicated uh, environments that we're working in in times. And uh, we need to therefore um, make sure we've got the right people working on the right projects. Um, one of the jokes we make here sometimes, you know, in God we trust, but everyone else must produce the data. So we've been very much... Uh, pushing the importance of um, good data and uh, and our health economics team at the Guild here couldn't couldn't be a, a stronger team or more capable team of people if we tried. So that's fantastic. But uh, I think at the same time, though, you've probably always got to have a little bit of a sense of adventure on uh, my notice board in my office. I've got a little note that's uh, a quote by Pippi Longstocking of all people, <laughs> but it says, I have never tried that before, so I think I should definitely be able to do that. <laughs> and, and as a quote, it's just such a beautiful thing to kind of go, you know what, there's going to be a lot of things getting thrown at us at times, but, um, you know, we just need to give things a, 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 a go. And um, and I, I think here at the Guild too, we've always um, uh, had a team that's very resourceful, very resilient, but uh, also, um, you know, fantastic support for for colleagues and things. So, you know, unified team, inspirational team and, and that's uh, whether we're talking about the National Council or we're talking about the staff or we're talking about the many members that work with us on committees and things. Um, so we're really, uh, yeah, in a pretty pretty strong position for all that. 
It can be easy to focus on challenges during tough times, like during pandemics. And it is hard really to speak about work without referencing the pandemic at the moment. But despite the challenges of 2021 and even 2020, I know that there have been lots of opportunities and wins to be celebrated in the space. What are some of the things that you're most proud of in the past year? Oh, gosh, we don't have five hours to be talking here. I think I think really what I'm most proud of is what community pharmacy itself has achieved. But obviously, when we're talking about things from the, the, the Guild's perspective, uh, we've done uh, a lot of work around um, strengthening our advocacy uh, with respect to full scope of practice. So really, uh, I've done a lot of work petitioning um, government and the departments around uh, pharmacists being able to work to their full scope of practice. So that's obviously been something that's been a big focus. Uh, implementing things that came out of the community pharmacy agreements really important. But you know what? The next one we're going to want to have signed within 36 months. So to think about that, that we want the eighth community pharmacy agreement to be signed in 36 months. And it feels like we've only just signed the last one. So we've you know, really got to keep our eye on, on that ball to move forward with the next one. Um, Look, I was pretty proud of the fact, though, Daniel, now that I think about it, that um, I got to travel up to Queensland on the 7th of June, which was the first day uh, in Australia that community pharmacies uh, could uh, provide the COVID-19 vaccination in pharmacies. And uh, so I travelled up to Queensland and it was uh, regional rural pharmacies uh, and only, I think, 40-odd that had been turned on at that point. So I drove out to um, Boona uh, and uh, it was really rewarding for me to be able to do that because my grandfather was a Boona boy back in his day. So to be able to go to Boona and I actually picked my mum up in Brisbane and we drove out there and, uh, you know, the local pharmacist there who made my mum and I so welcome and were able to talk to my mum about you know, her maiden name and who they knew in the town still with with that, you know, family heritage and connection. And so it was kind of, um, it was really lovely to feel that, you know, you're on the precipice of, of history really about to happen because uh, no one will ever have a clear answer as to why pharmacy wasn't turned on sooner in the vaccine rollout, other than probably some key decision makers in government. Um, but to actually be at that point when we were turned on and to be able to be vaccinated in pharmacy on the first day of it, um, that's a pretty special um, memory for me. And uh, so, I, yeah, so I think, um, I think how pharmacies responded uh, to the COVID vaccine rollout, uh, because all of us will say that we're not being fairly remunerated uh, for that. But you know what? There's still um, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of community pharmacies, though, that are vaccinating. So they're not making a pretty penny out of it, but they can see the the, the community um, benefit that's uh, essential and that's needed. And so they've really stepped up and and uh, participated in that. And and so I think um, I think that sort of patient-centric uh, approach that. Um, you know, it's it's not at all been about what's in it for community pharmacy. It's all been about community pharmacy wants to roll its sleeves up. We want to be there for our communities we serve. We want to be there to look after patients. And therefore, we're going to go off and we're going to do the training. We're going to order the stock. We're going to wrap our heads around all this information that we now need to 
to be aware of and deliver this. And, uh, you know, we're, we've had like a thousand members every, uh, every time we've done one of our COVID webinars attending. We've got the last one for the year tonight. And, you know, just fantastic. There's this terrific appetite uh, amongst uh, members to make sure they are at the cutting edge of understanding what's, you know, what's happening in that space. They've, they've done the training and they're really there to support the members in their community, which is just fantastic. Hear, hear. And of course, we can't really look back over a year without having one eye on the year to come. So to sum up, Suzanne, what are you most looking forward to in 2022? Can I put something out there? Is it getting everybody together at APP maybe? <laughs> how fantastic was APP in 2021? I don't know how they can uh, do better than that in 2022, but I'm sure they, I'm sure they will. Uh, look, you, you're so right. I think for me, what I'm looking forward to in 2022 is about um, communicating a message of hope, really encouraging that um, culture of encounter amongst our members. So yeah, getting people to APP and getting people mixing again. Uh, it, it's uh, I think something that will really make a difference for a lot of us uh, moving forward, just being able to um, network and, and come together. Um, I've always uh, been a really um, passionate person speaking out about the need to develop uh, collegiality within the pharmacy profession. Uh, you know, I think for many uh, of our community pharmacists out there, they're they're working in their own businesses and at times can possibly feel quite isolated, particularly if they're working in, you know, regional or remote areas of Australia. Uh, and so I think it's really important um, that uh, we are supporting them to understand that they're part of a, a bigger profession. And, uh, and I think absolutely on the world stage, pharmacists have shown themselves to be trusted health professionals that are integral to the entire world coming out of uh, what's been going on over the last couple of years. And uh, so, so look, what I'm looking forward to in 2022 is exactly that. And um, probably one of our ways of achieving some of that stuff is through our framework for change, which is a, a document known to most of our members as uh, CP2025, which was our document that looked at, well, what are the growth pathways for pharmacies to be able to transform and develop themselves and make sure that they're, um, you know, fit and, and thriving into the future. And we've renamed that as part of our centenary trail as our framework for change, because calling it CP2025, it was like a bit like strange having this hard, hard stop year in the, 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 the title of the document when really uh, different pharmacies will be on different journeys as far as what they're able to achieve under that. But if anyone is sort of thinking, well, what's my what's my Christmas holiday reading uh, that that might also help, you know, my my development and innovation of my business, then framework for change, obviously available on the website uh, as uh, something that identifies where are the opportunities for growth in your business and how can that, uh, you know, transformation that I've been talking about for the Guild, well, how can they think about transforming their own business to ensure that they're also travelling with us for that next uh, next hundred years? It has been a bit of a sprint marathon into the end of uh, the year. Uh, and, of course, for community pharmacy, December can be one of its busiest, busiest times. So just, you know, really want to just speak well into all the members and encourage them that, uh, you know, you might feel a bit isolated at times in your own pharmacy, but, um, you know, you've been invaluable to, to the broader community in this year and we look forward to continuing to support everyone in 2022. So thank you. 
And to round out our chat, we now welcome Colin Maguire, Guild Chief Operating Officer. Welcome back to the show, Colin. Since we last spoke to you, you've taken up a newly created position as part of the Centenary Trail Transformation, which Suzanne has just given us a great rundown on. As such, as I said, you're the new Chief Operating Officer at the National Secretariat. So congratulations on the new role. Can you tell us a little bit about the role and maybe why it's been important to make the organisational structural change there? My role as the Chief Operating Officer is really an inward-facing role. It's, it's about ensuring that not only the operational aspects of the business are taken care of, but also the culture and ensuring that we're collaborating across the organisation. And that allows Suzanne, Trent and National Council uh, to do the important advocacy work that they do externally. Uh, if I'm ever sort of asked what my role is, I generally have a bit of analogy around it's a little bit like air traffic control. Um, my, my, my job's to, you know, arrive at work in the morning, scan the horizon, make sure all the pilots get off the ground safely. Uh, I mean, I'm not a pilot. There's a range of different things that, that the staff here are capable of. Um, but then if they are looking for a little bit of direction or, or hitting a bit of turbulence, I like to move them up or down and out of that turbulence, but most importantly, get them home. Uh, safely each night. So that's the way I explain my role. But why was it important to implement the Centenary Trail? Uh, it's a really, really great question. Um, I think, you know, we've seen even with COVID at the moment that we have to respond to the environment that faces us. Um, and I guess the Guild in particular, we're facing a range of either financial issues, priorities that were changing in the environment, much like any business. Um, so we had to look at how do we shift, how do we change, how do we respond to the new direction of National Council and where we're looking to achieve things over the next 10 years. Uh, but most importantly, how do we collaborate across the Guild? We, how do we work as a more agile and responsive team? How do, we, how do we ensure that we're producing high quality work and looking for continuous improvement? But again, ensuring that we're purpose driven and serving the needs of our members and ultimately the community pharmacy network uh, and the patients. So that's why we've implemented a new structure and we're really excited about where it's going to take the team going forward. I love the air traffic controller analogy. It makes complete sense, makes perfect sense, especially around that it's less about controlling people and pushing them in a certain direction and more about support and, and guidance and enabling them to get on and do their role. Because as you said, there's a lot of very skilled and smart people there at the Guild. However, Leading people through 2021 has not been an easy task for any business. What has the Guild's leadership focused on during the 2021 year, particularly around supporting staff? Most organisations will respond, I'm sure, with, with the same thing, and it has absolutely been about our people, uh, whether that's been ensuring that they're connecting with each other, um, having what we call genuine care, um, taking the time to understand what they're going through um, and having a real empathetic approach to the way that we're, we're um, I guess, reacting to the circumstances and the way that they're dealing with everything that was occurring, whether it was trying to be responsive and accountable, given that our members were trying to achieve so much, um, right through to the fact that, in particular here at the National Secretariat, we had our first significant lockdown um, since 2020 and that obviously played a role in terms of how the staff felt the challenges that they faced with homeschooling or the home environment 
um, or just even working in a remote um, network. So look, we've really, really focused on our relationships um, and our culture. I know it's a buzzword when you say culture, uh, but that's really built off the back of a strong network of teams and people that support and care for each other and understand what they're going through. And then we thought that if we could focus on that in particular while we were going through a significant change environment, um, we would get the results. And as good planning would have it, um, by focusing on that, um, even in a time of change and disruption with a restructure, we lifted our engagement scores by about 20 points. Um, so that, that's a fantastic achievement. The end of the year always makes us reflect on the year that's just gone. And you just nominated a, a number of things that you're really proud of and key focuses. But what are some of the takeaways from 2021 that maybe you're most proud of? You can say the team and the way that people respond to resilient circumstances. Um, but here at the Guild, you know, our members have really responded um, over the last two to three years. And, and I'm sure both Trent and Suzanne took you through some of the challenges they've all faced. But, you know, as a team internally supporting them, the deep level of connection and understanding of that purpose that we are here to support them really made our teams respond well. Um, so I'm really, really proud of the fact that um, in a time of change, uh, we had so many people that embraced the direction that we were going, committed to it, have really worked hard on relationships uh, and delivered that that um, improved cultural outcome that we were looking for. Uh, one other, I guess, from a, my perspective, uh, having a, a key involvement in that change process and driving what we've really worked hard on in terms of co-design. Uh, we met with every single staff member. We we worked through you know what their needs, wants, skills, capabilities, career aspirations were and had a look at how the structure could be designed and also meet the needs of individuals. From there, we've now started to look at the way that we're going to work in the future. And that's taking in two key aspects, um, the way we lead and manage projects, but also the way that we work with a whole range of different organisations talking about hybrid working or remote working. We've thrown that over to the teams and gone through a degree of co-design. And while that can sometimes be harder, um, it's going to be much more meaningful because it won't be about, you know, leadership implementing something. It'll be about something that we decided together, worked on together and has and will continue to live whether one leader is here or another because the organisation owns it. I said the same thing to Suzanne in that it's hard when looking back over the year to not at least have one eye on the year to come. 2021, it's been a huge year and I get scared. Some people walk around town saying that 2022 is going to be even bigger and I'm like, I don't think we can fit much more in in terms of challenges and achieving things under trying times. But in all fairness, 2022 does feel like a little bit of a clean slate for us all. What do you see as the key priorities for the Guild operationally in 2022? Your uh, summation there, Daniel, was first class. You know, we always think next year is going to be better and, and then the next year rolls around and just new challenges confront us. So, look, I'm really looking forward to operationally embedding the work that we've done this year. We've, we've really built a solid foundation um, and the the bad news per se that we've had a conversation with in terms of with many of the leaders across um, the operations here is we've done a lot of design work. Next year, it's about implementation. So as we start to then work through the implementation and embedding that change, that's really going to be something that 
um, will be our focus next year internally and operationally. Um, but continuing to support and advocate for our members, uh, I think we need to keep taking that to a new level. And under the direction of Trent and the National Council and Suzanne, um, I think there's a really strong framework and direction that everyone is very clear on. And as we step into 2022, that's going to become you know, clearer and clearer externally. Um, so I'm really looking forward to what we achieve for community pharmacy, but in terms of internally, really continuing to drive those deep connections, the culture, the relationships, and embed the high-performing culture of team that we want to have here operationally. And so, yeah, I'm looking forward to a break, but I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to coming back and and really working with the entire team to uh, implement the change and the environment that we've all created together. What an insightful discussion. Thanks again to Trent, Suzanne and Colm. It's great to hear the passion each of you have for the members, community pharmacy and your staff. 2021 will be a year to remember. Despite the challenges faced this year, however, there is a lot to be proud of. Community pharmacies have stepped up in a big way and the positive impact felt by their patients and communities is clear. This is our last interview episode for 2021. The next two episodes will showcase the best bits from across the year and I'd like to take this opportunity to thank you for listening and I wish you all a safe and Merry Christmas and I am very much looking forward to bringing you many more engaging episodes in 2022. I've been your host Daniel Oyston and you've been listening to episode 87 of the PBCN podcast. The PBCN podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. For more resources, to access support or advice, or to view this episode's show notes, visit guild.org.au.